Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. All right. Good day and good evening. And in this case, uh, well, yeah, yeah, we'll go with evening. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we're back on a live podcast here at Live the Fuel. And remember, we're here to fuel your health, your business, and your lifestyle. And I've got, yes, yet another new guest co-host today. Uh, This gentleman, for once, is in my own time zone. Very refreshing. Different state. But I, I like to celebrate that because the past three that I recorded this week were Australia, UK, and back in Australia again. So this is why we love podcasting. You never know who you're going to connect with, how close they are, or how far away they are. Uh, but I'm excited to bring this gentleman on because not, not just because he knows how to dress, he knows how to set a really nice backdrop as an author. Uh, I'm getting ideas for myself since we're finishing that book right now this year. Uh, but he also cares a little bit about rocking out, uh, specifically in a different kind of rocking out. We're talking about Rock the Recession People. That's his brand. And apparently there's going to be more than one book tied to all of this too. We're going to get into that today. And this guy might also know a little bit about health and fitness, possibly some gym ownership. There's there's That's why I love the entrepreneurial story. Uh, but this gentleman does coach a lot of high growth leadership teams across this country. And he's implemented the entrepreneurial operating system, also known as traction. So there's a lot going on with this gentleman. So I got to get him on here. We're already live feeding on the Facebook world. This will air uh, in the podcasting world probably a month or so later. But ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Jonathan Slane, sir, welcome. Thanks for having me, Scott. Let's rock. I like it. I like to rock out. Granted, unfortunately, we are recording this in the middle of COVID-19 right now. So I don't think any of us are going to be rocking out live and in person anytime soon. So let's rock the mics. <laughs> yeah, it'll mostly be virtual rocking. I think yeah. uh, that's going to continue for a while too. I was uh, I was getting prepped for uh, for the show, and I read uh, today this really good definition of a recession versus a depression. Okay. And I think so. What I'm thinking is that, um, and and this is the first show I've shared this on. I might have screwed up with uh, with our book because I named <laughs> it "Rock the Recession." Okay. I probably should have called it Dodge the Depression Ooh. because I think um, it, it's most likely, Scott, that we're in for a depression here. A depression really being when the social fabric uh, of society changes. The psychological and, health. Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen with COVID. I don't think that we're just going to snap right back to how things were uh, before the virus. I think this is going to to leave a mark, so to speak. Oh, this and is definitely gonna, a worldwide yeah. you know, impact. And I, I like where you're going with this. I've had I've recently just interviewed with a couple other psychiatrists and psychologists again, and this was a topic of those types of shows, obviously because that's their niche, you know, bring it to the table. But I find it interesting that somebody like yourself who writes about you know the financial markets, what is recession, depression, which we'll get into today a little bit. It's interesting how you went right for the mindset component, which is a big part of this show, and people underestimate the importance of a positive mindset. So, yeah, well, I, I, sticking with that, I'm curious to know what the, the psychiatrist said, because in, in um, part of what we were thinking in the book was that, you know, the phases of grief model, mm-hmm. usually when there's a big crisis, people go through uh, shock and then disbelief, uh, there's anger and then bargaining, and ultimately you get to acceptance. And in all the calls I've had today and last week, I feel like a lot of people that I'm talking with are still really in the early phases where... It's still more of the shock or, or the disbelief and not really accepting that there will be a pretty substantial new normal. Yeah, I don't I, know what, what you're hearing or feeling. Th- it's funny you bring that up. So yes, that's actually a piece of what we talked about was, and actually I'm going to tie right back to being informed. I'll just sum it up like that, right? So yes, mm-hmm. getting to the stage of acceptance is going to take longer because unfortunately due to the greater greater masses of the population, and this is affecting the world, not just a country or a state within a country like here in the USA. So because it's got a broader breadth and more of an international breadth, and the fact is there's so many people, I mean, let's relate understanding the markets and the impact on your finances back to understanding what's going on with COVID. Some people choose to actually do the research, right? Read Read into the professional sites. And then there's others out there just slapping random, we'll call it, I'll air quote it as knowledge, it's not uh, false data, false numbers, false reports. And then because nobody's taking accountability for their own knowledge, they're a mess, right? They're psychologically torn up. They don't have any trust. They're scared. And I've always found in my life being a former firefighter. And before that was the more knowledge I have, the more research I do, 
the more prepared I am and the more understanding I am. And I find that 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 timeline you just brought up moves a heck of a lot faster for me than I, than other people in my life. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I'm always surprised when, so went to the grocery store uh, last week, had to uh, go to plus up our supplies here. Yep. And I would say maybe 10% of people at the grocery store were wearing masks. Mm-hmm. And this was uh, after the announcement uh, that the CDC now recommends that we all wear masks uh, when we're out in public. So really surprised me, especially among uh, the more the the populations that are more likely to to get it and have a very adverse um, reaction uh, if you're older if you're in your uh, 50s 60s 70s um, would expect to see all of those folks wearing a mask um, but really don't so I, I think uh, again that uh, that's what I'm seeing on the front lines and even when I'm talking to all the business owners that I coach and do consulting with I think there too it surprises me that. Um, I, I appreciate that people are very optimistic, mm-hmm. um, but I would rather be realistic about what I'm seeing with the science. And then I'll, I'll tell you what, if I'm wrong and this thing uh, goes away and we all just bounce back. Oh, absolutely. God, I'm happy. I'll come back on the show and apologize profusely. <laughs> uh, but but for, for everything that I'm seeing um, in, in reading the tea leaves, listening to the economists and the doctors, um, I don't think that's what's going to happen here. So I think we do need to figure out our plan for how we're going to rock this recession as opposed to just survive it or um probably uh i think there's going to be a lot of bankruptcies on both the personal and business side and and my my angle the reason we wrote the book in the first place is we want people to uh to thrive from this because these opportunities don't come around very often recessions maybe once every uh seven years since world war ii so really uh great entrepreneurial opportunities here if you're smart about it. Yeah, I've learned that myself uh, since becoming an entrepreneur. I really finally started kicking that into gear probably back in uh, 2013. I mean, I was dabbling, but never really went all in until about 2014 when I started my uh, first LLC. And But along that journey, it forces you to, you can stay oblivious and know nothing or you could dig in from time to time. Like I, I, I would tell people all the time, like rotate some financial knowledge. And I, I say this, honestly, I've said on the show before, you'll appreciate this. I knew Jack Squat. I love my parents. I love my family. But they taught me literally jack shit about financial health. <laughs> so my, my wife, very successful family. They've got their act together. I've been learning so much from them since we got, you know, we became, you know, closer and I started actually opening my ears uh, so it was like night and day, by the way, as a couple, <laughs> to, to, okay, guy with no knowledge, made a lot of mistakes, a lot of debt girl who's never had debt. Like she's was brought up to never have debt because her father is a former multi CFO of multiple companies and, and, and a certified accountant. And it's like, oh yeah, he knows a few things. <laughs> so do you find that often with your customers and your clients? Like there's that big swinging of the door on the extremes. Yeah, I, well, I do. I think it's a lot of environment. The family that we grow up in has a lot to do with ultimately how we feel about finances. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you caught the book, um, The Millionaire Next Door. Oh, yeah. Um, but that's, I mean, classic. one of my favorites on this. It, it is a classic, but uh, it gets into a lot of, are you an under-accumulator of wealth or are you a positive accumulator of wealth? A UAW or PAW, I believe, was uh, what the author used. Yep. And I think uh, your family has a lot to do with influencing that. I mean, I think my background was very similar to yours. Um, you know, not a lot of uh, conversation in my family in terms of, um, uh, of financial health. And mm-hmm. so, you know, this book, um, I think, would really be a great starting point if you grew up in a family that didn't have a ton of wealth and want to start to understand um, how much it really costs you to have debt, how much it costs you to really lease a car versus owning the car and why. Uh, I've never uh, leased a car people. in my life. <laughs> right. Uh, but a lot of um, people that don't have a lot of wealth, a lot of people that are poor um, tend to lease cars because that's um, the, the option that they go with. And they so, see a lower monthly payment, right? And they yeah. get, they still get the new car. But then I was like, like, I, I own my car. I, it's owned outright. I have the entire maintenance history of it on file because I've owned the car, you know? So people are like, oh, why are you going to go out and buy another car? I'm like, cause there's nothing wrong with that car. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, the the issue in our country, and I do think this is different than several than than other countries right now, is that we um, are used to a standard of living probably uh, above what we can actually afford. Oh yeah. And the tough part, Scott, as we know, is that since it's been ten years since we've had a recession, uh, I think everybody uh, we've gotten kind of complacent as a society. We've gotten a little arrogant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been pretty easy to. We've make had a money. very smooth run. Yeah, we have. It's been easy to make money. And now I think what's going to happen um, with the COVID crisis is that it's going to force us to reevaluate how much savings are we uh, actually comfortable having? You know, are we still comfortable? Uh, Because now we know that the bottom can drop out at any time, that all of a sudden we can go uh, and instantly not have a paycheck. Yeah. And then how we um, react to that. Do you want to be in the same position? Yeah. Who, whose financial plan thing? ever considered a pandemic? Right. I don't think I ever had that in my financial plan. <laughs> so, yeah. I, well, one of the things that we were, were we uh, we talked about in the book is that in a lot of cases, recessions come about as the result of a black swan event. Ah, I've know, been hearing uh, this more and more. The black swan thing is is all my financial buddies. And, and OK. Well, dude, you explain this that. to the listeners. What's a black you, swan event? You can pull up that book title next. Uh, it's <laughs> Nassim Tlaib. It's actually on my nightstand because I'm currently rereading it. Oh, really? Uh, but, uh, yeah, I talk about this, uh, about, uh, uh, about to, uh, Nassim's book in my book. But the idea is that a black swan is a rare event. Right. It's something that we don't expect uh, to happen in nature. So we're all used to white swans. Okay. Um, that is until you see your first black swan, and then you know it's possible. So, part what was, of what's what was the name of the book? It was the seam. Uh, his, the author is Nassim Tlaib. Oh, okay. The, the book is just the black swan. Yeah, yeah. That's right. He he was uh, a big hedge fund guy, wasn't he? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when uh, when we're thinking about these black swan events, though, we didn't know, for example, that the housing crisis um, would occur. What precipitated uh, the housing crisis coming around, uh, all of a sudden, though, we get there and then uh, big banks start to fail. Lehman Brothers fails. It seems like it's something that happens overnight. And then all of a sudden, we're in a recession. We're in a depression. Uh, with this one, we, nobody predicted a pandemic. The last time we had anything like this was you know, Spanish flu back 100 years ago. Right. I think um, that's pretty close to home for you. I know that hit the Spanish flu hit Philly uh, very hard. Yeah, it did. way uh, back. Yep, way back. Uh, but the point, I digress. The, the point <laughs> here is just we don't know where um, often these huge economic crises will come from. So need to be prepared. So for the business owners I'm working with, you know, do you have three to six months of operating expenses in cash so that if you need it, you're able to uh, to, to pivot and have that available to you? And so I'll, I'll be honest with you right now. Yeah. I think I only had, which I'm fine. Thanks to my, my business being mostly online, I, I'm not actually impacted. I just sent out three quotes to three new customers this week, uh, and I'm only taking on at most two more new clients right now. But the point is, is that I did have at least finally for the first time in years, like a good three to four month buffer, not just personally, but professionally. So it's a huge stress relief. (laughs) Definitely some warm fuzzies. So, yeah, I I think, um, you know, we're um, in a fortunate spot where we've got some buffer, uh, but we both know that the majority uh, of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Mm -hmm. And we also know that probably have a lot of debt. And so how do you fund uh, that kind of debt when you also don't have an income all of a sudden? Very scary situation to be in. Right. Uh, right. So part of it is that if the audience is listening, um, we want um, people to think through having their emergency break. So having your your four-tiered plan so that if you saw your income drop, um, let's say that you're making um, 60000 a year and you saw your income drop to 50000 a year, then what would you cut out? What expenses would you cut? Hmm. And in what order? If you saw your income drop to 40,000, to 30,000, if you saw your income drop to 20,000, then we want you to have those four tiers laid out so that instead of having to panic and figure out what to do when you're emotional, because right now, let's be honest, it's a very stressful time mm-hmm. with COVID. I think everybody, you know, my kids are seven and nine, all of a sudden they're at home. 
we're trying to figure out how to be the teachers of first and a third grader. My my well, first client meeting this morning, she her her kid was bothering her, and she's and he's 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 only like five. I mean, but you know, she's just like, well, this is the new norm. I was like, it's okay, deal with it. We'll we'll keep figuring it out. <laughs> it's a yeah. different way of doing business. She's never done that before. So for sure, I mean, for me, it's but we the the ideas for your business or your personal life have that plan written down so that when you see your income drop, mm -hmm. you can just go to your plan and then execute instead of having to figure out the plan. True. Because it's going to feel like you're trying to change the tire on the car while you're going down the highway at 60 miles an hour if you're trying to write the plan and execute it at the same time. Yeah, you know, so, you know it's another great book. Um, you ever read The Five Second Rule? Yeah. Yeah, right? So back to your point on when people you're, we're, we're, you, the tips you're sharing right now for the listeners is great because it's like guys like, okay, don't freak out and make decisions when you're freaking out. And that book I love, it's the five second rules because that's one of the examples they bring up is that psychologically, like your brain is naturally instantaneously going to try and save you whatever your situation is. So, uh, but if you just take a deep breath and wait five seconds, you're going to think completely differently and people don't underestimate it until I read that book and I, years ago and I was like, Oh man, really? Is that that real? And I thought about it just multiple times when I used to be a, a firefighter, I was like, you know, that was part of our training. We just never realized it. You can't always be instantaneously split second stuff. Just pause. And then, but to your point, do you have the patience? Do you have the psychological health to be able to think like that? And right now the average person does not. Yeah. So I, I think what's going to happen is that people listening on Facebook um, with us live here, um, it's not too late to come up with a plan. I mean, we were talking before we hit the record button that it probably isn't going to be that we're out of shelter in place, that we're out of a lockdown situation uh, until at least the end of April, we know. And we were talking maybe even closer to the end of May. Okay. And so what is your contingency plan if you do have to go through May without having an income or having a reduced income? You know, what would you cut next and in what order? Yeah. What would be the phone calls that you would make to your landlord or to, if you are leasing a car to figure out that piece, what are the things that have to be paid? Do you know what utilities are going to give you an extension so that you can keep moving? If you're a business owner or a leader, it's thinking through the same things for the business. So if, um, what if the money for the paycheck protection program doesn't come through? I'm not counting on weeks? it. I applied because we should, right? But we, my wife and I made a joke about it. We're like, you know what? If they can execute on this and it helps businesses, wonderful. Uh, but I, I'm not trying to say I don't trust our system. But last time, again, 10 years ago, last time we started diving in and trying to fix things, there it was a mess for a while. <laughs> so I don't Yeah, I think we're going to have a mess for a while. So it's just the, the emergency break, though, is just having a written plan before you need it. And mm -hmm. then hopefully you won't need it. But what does that look like? And in a business context, it's, you know, who are the, the, the people that are still on payroll? And then if you get to the point of layoffs, what would that look like? And what order would people go in? And trying to figure that now and have it on paper so that you're not making emotional decisions mm. uh, when we get closer to that. Uh, so trying to avoid those biases that we're all subject to because we're still human. I like that pause, actually. It's okay to be human. I mean, I think part of the other thing I've, I've, I've always shared over the years is that, right, and you, you can speak to this from, from uh, success in your business, is that you're going to make mistakes. It's okay. Uh, don't I mean, Graham, we just got done saying don't rush into it, but also don't, the, the flip side of that uh, tip there is also then don't wallow in this uh, paralysis by analysis and then never make any decisions because you're afraid. Uh, but reminding ourselves, guys, this is part of being human. There's going to be mistakes, but don't end up in this frozen place where, okay, well, now I'm taking that five second breath so I can think more clearly, but now I've thought more clearly and I've done the research and now I'm freaking out and then you just don't do anything. I think that's part yeah, of the I, other problem. I, I agree with you, Scott. And I think one of the things uh, that that I've been thinking a lot about lately is that we've been um, in a place where all the leadership um, books, all the business books lately have been about being more collaborative. Mm. And I know that um, the millennial generation that's been written is a more collaborative generation. They don't want to be told what to do. They need to be involved in the decisions. And since unemployment's been at record lows, mm -hmm. you know, like three three percent for um, the past couple of years, 
um, you've had to be very collaborative, inclusive. Um, and so that's the culture that I think we're currently used to in a business context. Yeah. I do think that moving forward, at least through this crisis, that leaders are going to have to be more directive. Oh, I agree. And I think that's going to be uncomfortable in a lot of circumstances, but that's where I've been trying to read more about um, uh, from uh, an army, armed forces context. Um, Army, Navy, Navy SEALs, um, generals, leaders, mm -hmm. uh, what they do and how they manage through because they deal with those life and death situations. And I do think that we're at war with this virus. And so one of the things is as a wartime leader of your business, or if you're listening and you're, it's just a, you're a solopreneur or entrepreneur, then wartime leader of your family, mm -hmm. then how can you be a more directive leader and take a more directive approach? So it's my long way of saying I agree with you that it's better to take action. And even if you're um, going in the wrong direction, maybe some leadership in the wrong direction to at least get some momentum and get people moving is better than just sitting still and waiting. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's funny that you brought the whole military tie because um, just like the show, I rotate my audiobooks and my podcast depending on the mood I'm in from either going and you know, I'll dive deep dive into a health and fitness kick for a week. And even if I didn't finish the book, that's fine. It's just the way I'm wired. And then I'll switch over to entrepreneurial stuff. But right now, I've been really in a kick on a lot of the uh, the former Navy SEAL type authors and, and books like that because when I left the corporate space years ago and I part of live the fuel and the firefighting is that I, I took two years to serve with the federal government as a hotshot wildland firefighter. And when I went to the academy, it was actually my first academy I went to was up in Long Island, New York. And obviously, this is now years after 9-11. But one of the mistakes we learned from 9-11 was all the higher ranking leadership was in the city. And we lost a lot of the upper end police and fire fire leadership. So they ended up developing the incident command system, the ICS. And the ICS is a federal process. I mean, it's tweaked different ways, but FEMA has ICS. U.S. Forest Service for Firefighting has ICS. Police. And it finally got all the departments and all the tiers to get more structured and organized. So something like that didn't happen again from 9-11. But now that's stuff that I guarantee is being used right now during the COVID crisis. But I love how you tied that together because thanks to that training and education, like I had to train and learn the ICS system because that was what we were going to follow when we went into a wildland fire out in the mountains. Like, okay, well, who is the who is the initial IC until yeah. until it gets too big and you got to bring in reinforcements and there's a new leadership structure. But it was it was hard for me because I was always anti-military. Anyway, they do with it, and then I go and get a firefighting gig in my 30s uh, to leave the corporate world and. I'm following very strict federal ICS protocols that were there for a reason, right? Keep people safe, keep things methodical, keep things moving. So it was very interesting. So I, I like how you're applying it to people's personal lives and even their businesses. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, I wanna show, like this is my guest bedroom. Nice. So what we did um, when my wife helped me um, actually uh, put all this <laughs> together, we took the, the guest bed out of our guest bedroom and then we're able to turn this into the new studio. That's a great idea. The, the point is that for me, it was looking at what was going on yeah. and then taking action because we're at war. Yep. And so in wartime, we took the bed out of the guest bedroom. We brought in the lights, the microphone so that this could become our virtual studio mm -hmm. so that we could still operate the consulting business, business as usual. So for my clients, I can still be there in person with them um, still feel like, uh, well, virtually in person, but give them an experience that was better than the usual um, conference call. So I show you in the audience that just because I, I think that we need to be thinking about how do we rock the recession? So, yeah. you know, turning from, we kind of started and we were talking mostly about the downside and um, it's kind of, it's bumming me out a little, Scott. Oh so, yeah, let's you know, I'm, a, I'm a motivational guy. Let's spin yeah. that around. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think part of it is starting to think about, you know, for me this year, the plan was to go more virtual anyways. Mm -hmm. I was traveling way more than I wanted to be, which again, not complaining, I'm very thankful to have um, the clients in California and Texas. And I told you I'm a Cleveland guy. Yeah. Uh, so clients in California, Texas, Denver. And so I was spending about 50 days uh, a year on the road. That's a lot. And so this year wanted to do more at home. So this COVID crisis was an opportunity for me to just up my virtual game, to more quickly get better at being virtual and to figure out how I could do that. And for me, 
I did want to have a room with a door that I could close yeah. so that when I am on a, on a podcast interview, when I am doing a work call, um, my kids know that um, unless they're bleeding yeah. or actively throwing up, uh, that they shouldn't uh, come through that door, um, which has only happened once in the past month, by the way. Not so, bad. That's, uh, that's not pretty bad. good. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. so, that's a so pretty good that, ratio, my friend. I mean, a lot of other, <laughs> a lot of professional podcasters wish they could do that. I mean, <laughs> but see, I like where you're going with this because this is part of this process is that I don't believe in speed bumps or, or roadblocks. I find a way to get around it, get over it. Like, that's just the way I'm wired. And not everybody's at that place on, we'll call it the confidence timeline. Okay. But yeah. what we're talking about right now is ways to get them there. Like, for example, reinventing your bedroom and turning into a home office. Genius. Now, granted, I've always had that. And <laughs> and I've been, but my wife doesn't get a spare bedroom for that. Like, this is this was supposed to be the guest room. I've just always done this. And actually, I've been meaning to throw another webcam up. So I like what you're doing there. You know, just be able to flip back around. That's fun. I think I'm going to yeah. finally do that. Um, yeah, I think uh, the the... It is. Uh, it's nice to have some multiple camera angles. If if later on we need to, I can take you over to the whiteboard uh, <laughs> and show you uh, what that angle looks like as well. But nice. For, That's so true because I do have a whiteboard over here as well. So yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you gotta. Have you checked out? Are you hip to? Uh, hold on. Let me see. Well, we I... use the. I use a lot of the virtual. The virtual whiteboard the Zoom gives you. Uh, and then. Are you, are you hip to this Captivo thing? I do know Captivo. I did not. Is that their new? Uh, that's the whiteboard system. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I haven't. Uh, I haven't played with this. I'm not a sponsor, by the way. No. Um, just, I love. I love to... sharing stuff. So, <laughs> it, yeah. happened, it happened to arrive today, but uh, apparently you put that camera above the whiteboard. Yeah. And then it uh, immediately digitally um, changes it so that it's like a digital TV. I like that. See, so now that you... could be. I'll let you know because I'm kind of a. I'm a tactile person. It's oh, kind of, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm kind of still old school paper um, and, and using big post-its and old school whiteboard. Got one right here, right? Exactly. I've got three monitors, boom mic, uh, backup lamp, and then I've got two ring lights uh, here shining on me. So it's like, it's, it's a geek zone. There's a mixer board here, offloading audio content recorder, uh, docking station, laptop. But yeah, I still have my notepad right here. <laughs> <laughs> I know, dude, you, you got all the technology. I'm impressed too. I don't see any shadows behind you. I don't even think you can create a shadow. I don't there. even have these things turned up that high. Hold on a second. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. I oh, dude, it looks like you're on the surface of the sun. I, I, I got them turned down. And these have uh, the orange uh, filter screens on them, not the clear white ones. Because you have you have square versions, I noticed, in your office. And I have the round ones. So, right. uh, But see, again, we're geeking out. That's what I like. But see, these yeah. are little things that people don't think about. But I didn't always have the ring lights. I added those a couple of months ago, right before this whole thing kicked off. And I'm glad I did because now I have clients that needed me to, I actually run their webinars for them. I train their teams now. So it was even more important that I really upped my game in here. And it just, it took time to do some research, right? Figure it out. You didn't know about all that stuff in your office right away, but now boom, you've got a home studio slash home office. So uh, but that's, yeah. that's the point of this, right? Is we need to get people to start thinking differently and be willing to make some changes to, I don't want to make it sound negative or desperate, but like to survive and to thrive or in your words, rock it. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think it's also, I want people to get to acceptance more quickly mm. and unhit the pause button so that we're not wasting this next month while we are locked down um, just because we don't know what's going to happen. I think we um, all can be pretty well convinced at this point, I'm hoping yeah. that we are going to have a recession, that we are not going to bounce right out of it and that it will re-sustain. So for most people, it means you're going to have to pivot in a lot of ways with how you're approaching work in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are reticent to commit to that uh, because it's hard to, to get up off the mat and attack that while at the same time figuring out the new normal with your kids, the new normal with your routine. And at the same time, I do think the entrepreneurs that can start working through all of those pieces now will be able to pounce, will be able to rock the recovery faster yeah. than those who, who wait to do that. So like some, some tactical uh, things that we throw out uh, in the book. The, the first would be, you know, for me, I had a lot of this equipment that's already in my room because I was doing a lot of speaking around the country. So I was able to just take equipment that I had repurpose and it. repurpose it for the home office. If you don't have the equipment, it can be expensive. 
But one of the things I was thinking through was that you want to talk to your bank mm -hmm. if you have a local bank and let your banker know what kind of equipment you'd love to acquire. And that way, if they do have a bankruptcy, if they do foreclose on a small event planning business Ooh. that has cameras, that has a soundboard, like you rattled off a bunch of stuff that's cool, cool tech, but expensive to get a mixer board, expensive to get all the cameras, um, especially the nice high def ones. Um, that, yeah, I would say that, you're probably, I mean, I've had this mixer board for years. The show's been going on for four years now, but I would say if I just virtually just added it right in front of my face right here, right now, it's probably about $1,500 worth of stuff. Okay. Well, it depends on what kind of business that you want to get into. So let's think about if you've always wanted to open a bakery, hmm. but the ovens for the bakery are expensive. If you buy them new, then you would want to let your banker know the kind of ovens you want and that you're looking for that kind of equipment. And that way, if they do have a foreclosure, they can be like, oh yeah, Scott, I know is looking for ovens. I can give him a call because one thing That's I know is that banks do not want to own used ovens. No. And so they will sell them. If they can liquidate that fast and get, get it off their books, absolutely. Yeah. So back in the Great Recession, we were talking about how um, I own gyms. And oh, yeah, so that's I, right. Part of your history. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to my bank and I said, look, if gyms go out of business, I want to buy their equipment. And so four times the bank called me and said, hey, Jonathan, we've got a gym. It went out of business. It's in New York. Uh, if you'll, uh, if you want to buy their equipment, we would love to see, you know, what that looks like. They'd send me an Excel spreadsheet, $35,000 worth of equipment. And I'd be like, look, I, I can, you know, get you a thousand dollars. And the guy would be like, let me call you back. He'd call me back an hour later and he'd be like, if you overnight a cashier's check, it's yours. It would cost. They just didn't want to deal with it. They don't want to deal with it. Yeah. No, because if you think it through that 35,000 equipment, they have to hire somebody to appraise it. Mm -hmm. Then they have to hire an auctioneer to come uh, uh, to sell it. The auctioneer wants a third of it. They got to take it out of there and store it somewhere. So now they have to rent a storage or, place. Or, or they, they got to find, they have to, there's a timeline thing, right? It's like, well, yeah. even if they don't do any of that, they could just say, well, we could put it on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace. Like, no, they don't care. They want it off the books. Just move it on. So, so yeah, so it costs us more for the U-Hauls. And yeah. for the steak dinner in New York City than it did for uh, for us to buy the actual equipment. And as a gym owner, we're then able to take that equipment and open a new location using equipment that we got for, for free virtually. With but very low overhead. Yeah. The trick, though, is to have those conversations with bankers now because they need to think of you when they have that equipment so that they can call you and be like, hey, Scott, hey, Jonathan, I know you're interested in this and I've got equipment. Well, I, I can assure you, I, I've been in the CrossFit world for a while, and obviously they don't call them gyms, they call them boxes. And I've, I've talked a lot about this, and I've said, listen, I know a lot of CrossFit gym owners around the country, especially right here, and not everybody ever learned enough to run a business, right? Some of these are just passionate fitness enthusiasts, amazing coaches and instructors, and they decide to open a gym slash box, whatever you want to call it. I guarantee you, you're going to see massive failures of those businesses during this time. I, I just know it because they were barely limping along before. Most of these are side hustles or they're fun business and they still have a full-time job because they don't make enough money off of the gym, you know, to run it sustainably independently. It's, these are all, this is all real. And to your point, there could be people watching this show right now and listening and saying, wait a minute, I do have my act together. I know what Jonathan's talking about. So, you know, and maybe other gym owners will be able to acquire. I, I never would have thought about that. I never would have thought about that. I would have been, I thought you just could go buy new equipment. <laughs> never thought about asking my banker. <laughs> yeah, I think, in, so it's it's having those conversations now. Well, maybe not right now, because I think most bankers are uh, trying to figure out the, the oh, paycheck. Yeah, they they got to figure out the PPP right now. <laughs> I mean, so, everybody's, everybody's posting about that. They're complaining, right? Back to the negative mindset. Right. And it's like, guys, like, you do realize, like, they're, they're blaming whatever, Trump, they're blaming the politics. I'm like, guys, you do realize that nobody knows what they're doing. They, they, they got dumped a lot of money through the SBA for the PPP, and the banks who do have a clue are still figuring it out. And then the ones who are trying to figure it out, that's why they haven't taken any action on your applications yet because they don't know what you're doing. They don't know what they're doing. It's, it's all real time. So they're struggling just like everybody else. That's why I'm just like, you know what? I'll submit the app. And then I'm just going to keep running my business. I'm not counting on that at all. I just did it to do it. So, 
Uh, Agreed. So the the next thing. So if you're not if you're an asset light business and uh, there's nothing that you need, I think it's thinking through. Um, you know, what are the businesses that you'd love to acquire? So let's talk about um, what that looks like, because I think, um, Scott, what's going to happen is that this couldn't have come at a worse time, probably for the baby boomers. I think a lot of them were very close to retiring and maybe trying to eke out um, one or two more years uh, of profitability since we were having the last reception. There was baby boomers that was that's still what was 10 years ago, right? Well, 12. Wait. And they've decided to go through another cycle because they went through the Great Recession. They lost a lot of their savings, retirement funds. And so now they've spent the last 10 years building it back and we're getting close to retirement. And maybe things were so good that it was hard to um, to to sell um, until uh, they maybe saw the next um, downturn kind of starting to show itself. Right. But this one didn't give us that usual kind of decline that we have where you get a little bit of runway. We were just immediately went from everything's great to recession. Yeah. And so I think what's going to happen is that a lot of boomers are going to be like, you know what? I don't have it in me to do another cycle. Hmm. I don't care. I'm ready to just cash out. I'm done. Whatever I can get, I'm going to get. Wow. And so I do think there's going to be opportunity for entrepreneurs to have those conversations to say, look, you know, you want to be done. Let's talk about me helping to take over your book of business and what that can look like. How can I help you have a soft landing and retire? And so if you're a service business um, owner, if you're looking to um, pick up another book of business, it's great to have those conversations now is my point, Hmm. as opposed to when we're officially in a recession in three months. It's better to start tipping into that. So what you can do is say, listen, I was listening to uh, these guys on on Facebook or on their podcast, and I just want to have a conversation to just see what your plans are. And if you're not planning to sell right now, that's cool. But, uh, you know, keep me in mind. Hmm. And, you know, I'd love to be an option, um, whatever that might look like, and we can have a conversation about it. So I'm not saying you have to call your competitors and say, I want to buy you. You know, I want to uh, buy your business right now. Yeah. But yeah. if you can um, let them know what you're up to, let them know that maybe you are um, hungry and interested in continuing to grow your business through the next cycle, then you can present yourself as a potential buyer down the road instead of having to be opportunistic um, when they are at the point of selling and then you're competing with others to buy their business. That's a great idea. I think there's a lot of people that have been afraid to start the businesses, but to your point, I never thought about the generational. I, I think, I think this actually would apply to really any businesses. If we, if you yeah. see a friend or a colleague or just that, you know, you know, there's, there's going to be failing businesses. Let's just say it. I'm not trying to be negative, Nancy, their businesses will be crashing or, or failing, or to your point, they just don't want to deal with it anymore. But does that mean that the business has to close? Can it be passed on? Um, I guarantee you there's probably baby boomers that would still wouldn't mind it still working. They just don't want to deal with that anymore. Like, you know what, why not liquidate it now, hand it down now, sign it off, sell it, et cetera. And then maybe they can negotiate their own, hey, I'm going to stay on as interim CEO or whatever, collect a salary, and then they still have something to do, right? I think that's going to happen maybe more of too if they do this the right way. Yeah, I mean, but even back to your CrossFit example from earlier, since yeah. that's kind of our common heritage, yeah. you know, CrossFits are going to close if they had 20 or 30 great loyal clients, instead of just closing and that all goes away, mm-hmm. why don't you talk to them and see if maybe you could buy that 20 or 30 client list, True. have them give you a warm handoff to those people, and then have them come work out at your gym instead of five of them are now going to work out at home on their own. Five of them are going to go to a competing CrossFit, another competing CrossFit, and 10 are going to go to Snap Fitness. Maybe all of those could become your clients for your small um, personal training studio or gym. But right now is the time to start having those conversations and to start laying some groundwork. Um, And I think that's what the smart entrepreneurs will be doing is having 10 of those conversations and maybe one or two will actually come to fruition. Hmm. And so it's being proactive. Um, That's part of how you rock the recession is pouncing and being proactive as opposed to being like a spider spinning your web and then waiting and hoping something good hits it. Well, now, so I I was going to ask this earlier, but I just have to ask it now. It's like, yeah, the crazy thing was you knew this was coming obviously, or else why would you have written a book? I mean, I think it's, I think we kind of just skipped right past that. It's like now (laughs) granted, I'm not trying to make light of COVID, but man, you could have asked for a better time to, get your knowledge out there, 
right? I mean, oh my God, you branded the book almost perfectly. I know you're kind of joking around earlier, like, oh, maybe it should have been like, you know, whatever, something else. But it's like, I think Rock the Recession is still valid. I'm not trying to push it to happen, but it, I think you, like, you and I agree, it's going to happen in some form or fashion. Um, but I, I wanted to find out, like, did you originally decide to write this because you knew it was not what was coming or you hated the Great Recession? Like, what was the core principle behind that? Besides the fact, obviously, you own Recession.com. But <laughs> uh, what was the reason behind just finally really going all in on the book? Yeah, so what, what was going on is that in the Great Recession, um, I didn't have a plan. I own five gyms, and uh, as I talk about, it's the opening section of the book is that uh, the only reason I survived the Great Recession with my business, Scott, was because I was fortunate to have a mother-in-law that was able to help support me financially. Okay. Um, so that's my number one tip in the book is if you're listening to us still in the audience, run a credit check on your mother-in-law. <laughs> Mine uh, luckily was able to loan me a few bucks to get through the Great Recession, by a few bucks, I mean a quarter of a million. Um, oh, so, is that all? Okay. That, yeah. And, and, and the worst part, Scott, is that it wasn't even all at once. It was a series of 12 loans of about $20,000 each. Wow. Because that's how much I needed to make payroll every two weeks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I've since paid her back. And the important thing to note um, is that in addition to paying her back at this point, um, I don't think anybody else should have to borrow money from their mother-in-law in order to get through recession. Did, did it so, make holiday dinners awkward at all? I mean- Yeah, it sucked. It sucked. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot better now that she's paid back, but um, I, it was good that we, we have a good relationship and I, I will always um, appreciate that, but I don't think everybody has a rich mother-in-law and is lucky. Um, so I, 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 I agree. It's, that. it's, I mean, first of all, I got to pause on this. I mean, I got to ask, like, did you come at her or did she happen to speak up and offer some assistance? Like how did that, cause I, I can't, I can't even imagine doing it. It's just weird. Um, was, was uh, it no, you approaching I, her? Yeah. Okay. So that's even harder. Wow. Yeah. So think about, think about, you know, that's 12 agonizing phone calls. Ugh. You know, it wasn't, uh, oh, by, uh, meaning, oh, meaning, oh, uh, thank you again for that last help. I need another. And yeah, another. like think, think about that after the fifth time, Ooh. like now we're like, Hey, you know, uh, and then there's the awkward, you know, the, the conversation like, Hey mom, how's it going? Yeah. And she knows exactly why I'm calling. And she's like, oh, it's going good. How are you? How are the girls? Yeah. I'm like, oh, they're they're doing great. Um, so uh, so anyways, yeah. uh, about the, could you, so I wanted um, my clients, the companies I work with to avoid that. And so that's where two years ago started doing activities with them to help think through how do we plan for a recession? You okay. know, let's create a recession plan. Let's create an emergency break in case we ever hit a recession. Because think about this, Scott. It's not even economic recessions all the time. If you lose your biggest client, you're in a recession. Hmm. If your five best employees leave and go start a competing business across the street, you're in a recession. Good point. Or how about, what about tariffs? You think that put anybody into a recession uh, last year? Oh, God, yeah. Tariffs were all the rage. My, my biggest client's in the HVAC industry, and she represents the manufacturers. Well, then... If you're representing big manufacturing companies, they're affected by raw materials. Well, if a lot of raw materials are coming from overseas, we, we saw that whole industry shaken up. So, well, what, what if you're in California and they ban single-use plastics, mm. and yep. you're a manufacturer of these things? Plastic water bottles, yeah. That you're one. in a recession. So, the, all the stuff in the book works, whether it's an economic or non-economic recession. It's an the interesting tie. I like that. We, we published it in September of 2019, though. Because um, my co-author, uh, Paul Belair, and I, we didn't like what we were seeing in terms of economic indicators. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if you're, uh, I, I know most of the audience probably is an ag economic geek like me, but there's the yield curve. Oh, yeah. I, I, I did actually st study. I just, I, I pay people to do that. But <laughs> yeah, I actually had my Series 6 and 63 licenses uh, back in the day, too. So. Um, All right. Well, you know, you know um, if, if you looked at the bio, I'm a recovering uh, investment banker. So yeah, I, I like that, by the way. That was that. fun. Recovering. I'm like, oh, I like that. <laughs> I want to disclose that. But for me, it was just looking at the, the crazy stuff that was going out the yield curve in the summer of last year. Okay. And so um, Paul and I thought that's what would really lead us to a recession in 2020. Hmm. 
and then um, COVID came up, so that you know the the timing uh, is is it's awkwardly um, perfect. I mean, the good thing is yeah. the good thing is this: you didn't launch the book now. It was already launched <laughs> in September, so you're fine. But I mean, man, if your original launch schedule was right now, I don't know, man. What would you would you think differently? I don't know. I mean. I don't know. How would well, you I do. I think it's tough too because I think the audience. So the audience um, should know that we're not officially going to be in a recession until July, right? Because in the U.S., we announce a quarter in arrears mm-hmm. how the um, economy is performing, whether or not GDP, uh, gross domestic product, grew or it shrank. And so just know that um, the first quarter it will shrink. That'll be announced here in April, and then in July we'll announce that for two quarters in a row our economy has been shrinking. Mm-hmm. The important thing to note is that then CNN and Fox are going to have it plastered across all of their headlines that we're in a recession. Okay. And the New York Times, Wall Street Journal recession will be everywhere. But I do think the audience that's um, kind enough to listen to us right now has a, a jump start, has a head start because you've got some months to start to think through how are you going to rock the recession. Uh, there's some things that you can do for your business to protect yourself. So looking at your line of credit you may want to draw on your line of credit now. So if it's a home equity line of credit, or if it's a business line of credit, remember what happened in the Great Recession is that the banks started to get nervous. Yeah, they got very, very uh, tightened up. So they tightened up lines of credit, they actually took them back. So if you want to put yourself in a stronger position, I know it's debt, but to be able to draw that line of credit and set it in your bank account so that it's safe from bankers being able to claw it back, that's something that you should be considering right now before it's too late. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, in the book, we just talked through some of these things that I don't think um, people think about uh, on a daily basis. And some of it's counterintuitive. We interviewed uh, Christy Hefner, uh, who, who was CEO of Playboy. She took over from Hugh. Uh, and one of the things she was talking through is that Playboy actually spent uh, more on marketing in the Great Recession uh, because they knew that people would be pulling back on wow. marketing. So for every dollar they spent on marketing, they got a better ROI. Yeah. Uh, then because there weren't as many people um, advertising against them. Oh, that's like, again, the last recession, I didn't take advantage of it. And then now I'm like, I'm watching the market like crazy because now thanks to more knowledge, I'm like, wait a minute, while people are freaking out and running out of the market, that means everything's on sale. I'm getting in. <laughs> So, so yeah, so like for Facebook advertising, for AdWords on Google, for Amazon advertising, all of that is cheaper right now mm. because people are 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 drawing back. Up. They don't they yeah. don't want to spend money right now. They're worried about it. And so if you are um, using one of those media to advertise to market, your dollars should be going further. Mm. And so it's thinking through some of those pieces that are counterintuitive and what we learned from the Great Recession that now as entrepreneurs we can apply to rock the great um what's coming with um this upcoming recession i like it man well this has been great i i i didn't even think about you got me to think differently today on a couple of things especially towards the end here uh how i wasn't thinking about it. so you've, you've you've left me with i i took some notes because i'm like well i gotta think about that later <laughs> uh because I have, i'm getting ready for another show after this so i'm like i can't think about it right now but i'm like man i gotta get that but actually real quick for the listeners by the way too sure. um i'm gonna screen share again one more time because again, ladies and gentlemen, when you go to lithiofield.com and you click on the Amazon banner, you can go to my uh, my special lists I've set aside on my influencer page, and I'm adding him because uh, every author I bring on goes on to the book recommendations. There he is. So again, make sure you check him out. It's on Amazon, people, and now it's on my list. So you can go right there, Rock the Recession. Uh, but Jonathan, I actually asked my guest co-host to help close the show out. So would you say that... Well, I'll just say this. I ask people, say, hey, what do you want to say? Final words, all-encompassing message. It's not like an ad. It's how do you want to leave behind this in case they forget everything else we talked about? (laughs) Yeah, so for me, I think uh, let's talk about rocking your life. Um, And so we did the the Rock the Recession book. The book that we're working on next is actually called Rock Your Life. It's taking a lot of what we've talked about already today, Scott, and then figuring out how you can apply it personally. So having a life plan, you know, figuring out with your spouse, with your kids, how you want to move forward. Because I think that, you know, we just were filming this on the day after Easter. Uh, And so one of the things I think we spend more time often planning Easter or planning Christmas than we do our lives. 
And if you mm. really want to rock your life, I think there it's about being intentional about having a plan so that when something like COVID happens, you can go back to your life plan and that can be your North star. I think what's going on right now for a lot of people is maybe that they're swirling because their anchors are, are gone and they're becoming unmoored. Wow. And so for me, for my spouse, um, we have already spent a lot of time talking about what's truly important to us. And so we can go back to that and we get some psychological safety from it. And look, I'm not saying it's perfect. You know, we still have our issues. Um, no such thing as perfection. Of, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and it's still it's still tough. But again, I think that would be where I would start. Um, and you know, if you're if you're interested in assessing your own situation too, um, on the recession.com, which yes, that really is our website. I don't know if you locked down that URL, man. <laughs> What the heck was that? So that's another. We can talk about that on the next show. <laughs> how, how that happened. That but, was awesome. Uh, but we on, on recession.com, there's a free 20 question assessment. Oh, I saw that audience. when you first visit the site. Yeah. yeah, you can get a score from zero to 100. Mm -hmm. If you get a zero, it's likely you're going to have a, a bankruptcy in the upcoming recession. Well, if you good. get 100, you're probably looking forward to the recession. And again, that's a good starting point. I think it'll give people a lot of the, the what you need to think about without even have to read the book. Um, oh, that's nice, really I like that. Where to go. Yep, and we've had uh, we've had thousands of people take it so far, Scott. Average score right now is a 52. So you can take it if you're above a 52, better than average for now. It makes me feel, feel actually better hearing that actually. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys are gauging any kind of data that way, but I'm like, I'm actually, I'm glad I'm at least seeing over 50% average, so. We, we are, it was a 38 a year ago. Ooh. Okay. So I think people are um, are focusing more on this now hmm. um, and are starting to pay attention. I think people understand that we're going to have an economic downturn. And so it's time to start to figure out how you're going to rock it yeah. instead of getting rocked by it. Don't be don't be like me, man. Don't be like me and have to borrow a quarter of a million bucks from your mother-in-law. Dude, I, I couldn't have asked that. That's probably the best way to close out the show. <laughs> I love your honesty and transparency, man. Today's been great. Um, listen, hang tight. I'm going to be proper goodbye off the air. Again, ladies and gentlemen, he scored one of the easiest URLs ever, recession.com. Uh, I'm going to go take the assessment. I think everyone should. So if you had one takeaway for uh, an action item, go take that assessment. I think it will set a lot of gears in motion because I've taken assessments like this before from other influencers who's been on the show in the past few years, and they've all been helpful. It's all gets you to think differently, take action differently, and Again, to our listeners, like this is what we're here for, right? We're here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle. Well, that assessment and what we talked about today, it ties to all of that. We talked about psychological health. We talked about business success as a small entrepreneur. We also talked about basically these impacts that can affect your daily life. So take this all seriously. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening in. And remember, you too can live the fuel. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.